here instead of our usual episode of our Pokemix campaign, I thought it'd be a little fun to drop a teaser for a game that I've been running on the side to use for our uh, Between Arcs mini campaign. Uh, for a little background, before we get into it, this one is not going to be a Pokemon related campaign. More one loosely connected to games like Shin Megami Tensei. The setting's going to be post apocalyptic, essentially. The land's going to be overrun by physical manifestations of mythical beings, as well as various demons, deities, celestial entities. You get the point. All this teaser is, however, it's the main character's introductions their opening scenes. That said, I hope you enjoy it, and thank you for listening. Catch you later. So, go on ahead and describe your character. So, what you see is a androgynous person. Their tall skin is light brown, long, long hair down to their knees, uh, black slightly flowy and very kind and very dark brown eyes and a kind round face they're wearing simple clothes farmer's clothes mainly so this figure is laying in the middle of what would be a field but everything is white every single thing except for one other being and I'm going to need for you to describe Yavanti. So Yavanti is a, and I really, really hope I am pronouncing this right, Koata, which is a snake-like dragon. And her body is shimmery white scales that seem to almost give up a ra rainbows in the uh, white light. And she has feathered wings in rainbow patterns and uh, feathers on, uh, at her tail and feathers at, her, at the sides of her head. And she has very sharp blue eyes that are very, very intense as they stare. Yes, Yavanti is in fact staring at you and you can hear... What just happened? I can't be dead. Can't be. I have too much I need to do. Where am I? Not sure. I don't know where either of us are. This is... But where, where we are is not where we need to be. Who Here. are you? I am Yavanti. And you. I'm... Evista? I pop my head a little and I just sort of stare at her and blink in what is probably very, very bright light and try to adjust my eyes to it. And uh, she moves closer to you and closer until she is towering over you. She sniffs at the top of your head. Says, I can... I can sense that you're uh, possessing a lot of Orgone. 
I know a way we can get back, but it's it's going to require both of us working together. We need to form a pact. Uh, you want a pact with me? I'm not saying I want to, but we need to currently to get out of this white. I rub for my hair and sort of bury my fingers in it, trying to make sense of all of this. And then finally, I look back at this amazing light creature and cock my head at her and just... Well, if it gets us out of here, I suppose, do you know if anyone, is anyone else here? Is anyone else hurt? We're gonna cut over to Joanna. You're not in a white area. You're in what would feel like a desert. There's a lot of heat, sand for miles. Actually, uh, go on ahead and describe Joanna. All right. So as a human, um, she doesn't really have a lot of her angelic features yet. Um, uh, she um, she kind of wears clothing that one would wear to kind of go out. But like, like um, like a tank top, um, some shorts, and uh, um, some like three-fourth leggings, and she wears a little shawl. At this time, it's currently pretty black. It's a very old piece of like piece of clothing. Uh, she has blonde hair, and right now she has blue eyes. Uh, so you look up, and you can see. Well, go on ahead and describe uh, your monster friend. All right. So Orphiel is basically this long, the tall rather, tall, lean, uh, humanoid figure. He wears very dapper clothing with like, he wears a tuxedo, um, except he's an angel. He has two sets of wings, um, one bigger than the other. And his head, um, he, his, his head is the head of um, an orphan angel, which is basically a ball of fire with an eye with rings going around it. Alright, so you see... Shoot, what was his name again? Orphiel. <laughs> Orphiel. You see Orphiel, this... frightening-looking winged thing, this angel, just staring at you. Not necessarily actually flying, possibly perched on a rock, and he's saying, Well... That was interesting. Didn't think Bartleby and Loki had it in them. Let's say we get some revenge. And how how might we do that? Didn't we? Where? Well, oh, no worries. I know a way back. I just need you to join me. Wait. And we can take these bastards out okay and he grabs your hand and the screen flashes to white and anarud describe your character uh sure so uh leon um is basically dressed up almost 
think of like military kids, very professional, um, like button up tie, shirt tucked in, hair comb nicely. Um, he's somewhat taller than an average person. I'm saying like 5'10", 5'11"-ish. Uh, jet black hair, eyes are almost black. That's how brown they are. And he just looks very annoyed with everything right now. Um, and uh, the monster that you made is a construct, correct? Yes. So I would say that Leon possibly has built this. Uh, yeah, I think um, either he built it or he was uh, given it because uh, the construct is basically Leon's opposite. So while Leon is wearing a button-up shirt and everything's tucked in, I feel like the construct would have like a, a t-shirt. It's out, very casual, hair messy, all that sort of stuff. Alright, so I'd say that in that case you open your eyes and you're in your basement. Your basement workshop of what what building would Leon be working in? Um I think he would be in an office building. I'm not sure what the office building would be doing exactly, but he'd probably be um in your stereotypical cubicle like job, except apparently in the basement. Um Alright, so yeah, it'd, it'd probably be what used to be an office building and uh the basement is more it's more um like a little maintenance closet type thing like where the custodians would uh fix up boiler rooms and all that right yeah so you're you open your eyes and you're in your workshop this boiler room and describe your construct um so uh, because of a tragedy that happened when I was young, I became real serious and moody and stuff like that. And my construct is basically all of those happy emotions that I left behind. So uh, construct looks similar to me, but hair messy. Um, it sort of has this weird uh, shine to it because it's a, a metallic construct. But uh, it's like hair messy, wearing a t-shirt, cargo shorts, I'm thinking, sandals, uh, real casual like damn i'm in his hair <laughs> the hair is the important part that's based and i i would think that at the moment it's wait what was your construct's name i'm uh noel so it's, Noel. it's like oh, Noel, so, except with an uh, n so basically yeah the opposite of leon yep this it took a lot of thought and preparation for it. That, that's dope. So, Noel, Noel, I'm gonna keep accidentally calling it Noel. Uh, Noel has uh, the appearance of a machine that has no power. And I think that you at this point, know what you need to do to uh, regain its power, to escape this building as it's crumbling. To survive. 
So I think, yeah, I think at this point, uh, if the building is starting to crumble, uh, military mode sets in. And so uh, Leon, along with Noel, just uh, kind of escape the building, use all those military powers and expertise of diving out of windows and stuff like that. Okay, so you, you grabbed Noel and jumped out a window. When you land, everything's on fire. Oh no, my mom and dad. Every oh, single well, uh... thing in the city is on fire. Well, this is a interesting situation. Is the water on fire? Yes, the water's even on fire. Shit. I feel like at this point, Leon's probably like, wow, that's 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 almost impressive in a way, but not good. The water on fire is like gas being lit on fire. Pretty much. Leon, at, you notice that to your side, Noel is standing next to you. It looks almost exactly like you, but very sloppy now. And it just smiles, snaps its fingers, and just kind of melds with you. And we're gonna flash over to an arm buried underneath a bunch of rubble. A security drone passing by, scanning for survivors. More of a rescue drone. And it scans down on this arm. Moves her closer to it. And uh, it lifts a little bit of the rubble. And we do see... Uh, we do see Daisy, the human. Not dead. Because I'm not going to actually kill a child in a podcast. That's messed up. She's very resilient, I will say. Fine, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> She's not dead, but she's scared, injured, looks very, very close to it. <laughs> uh, and this security, this combat drone, hmm. doesn't really speak, but it kind of like makes a couple beeps, whistles. Nudges this, uh, this small child. And Daisy, you can, you can tell it's trying to say, I can save you. Oh. I can, or at least I can try. I don't know. Like, it, it's, it's making a bunch of, like, wiggles and movements and beeps and whistles where... As a child, you can probably kind of imagine what it's saying. The power of imagination. Because children have a lot of imagination. Uh, uh, are you my friend? It makes a little whistle. And then a much more uh, solid beam shoots out. And it it looks like it's absorbing Daisy. Basically, kind of like a Pokeball capturing a Pokemon. Phew. Turning her into Data, 
and now the lights on this combat drone, this recon rescue drone, change. Describe how this drone changes, Mars. Hmm. Well, this large drone, like dark blue in color, propellers all over the place, machine guns on its sides, large wingspan, and a large red screen on the front, which, after absorbing the data of this small child, uh, starts to type out on the big screen a little flowery emoticon. 